Oh, Father, we thank you. Let's bless his name. Let's bless his name. There's so many things to thank God for. Even physically, there are things to thank God for. We thank him for the weather that we have here. We thank you that we can go out and come in. It's something to thank the Lord for. We thank him that we are protected by him. We thank him because his hand is upon us. Let's bless the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your hand that is upon us. We thank you, Lord, because you are the one ordering our steps. We thank you. We thank you because we are walking in your will. Thank the Lord for the light that you have. Of course, there is darkness all around, but the Lord has given you light. Oh, give the Lord thanks for the light that you have. There are people who don't have that light that you have. And there's darkness everywhere, people of God. There is darkness, real darkness, presently on this earth. And people are walking in that darkness. <laughs> you know, but you, the Lord has given you light. And that light is the word of God in your spirit. That light is the word of God that you have received in your spirit. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Say, Father, I give you praise. Father, we give you praise for light. We thank you. Brethren, let's thank him for the church. Let's thank him for the church of God in Nigeria, of which you are part of. Thank him for the church. It's becoming clearer daily that the church is the last hope. Not just the last, the only hope that the people have. The church is the only hope that the people have. So let's thank the Lord because he knows what he's doing. A time like this, he has positioned this church. He has raised men and women for himself. So let's give the Lord thanks. Oh, no, he has not left us alone. The church is still there. The remnants are still there. Let's thank him for that remnants. Thank him. Thank him. You are part of that remnant. I am part of that remnant. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. And once we take that, we'll take our seats, and then we'll teach a bit, and then pray for ourselves, and then we'll be done for today. All right, are we ready? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. The word of healing is coming to somebody this evening in Jesus' name. It is waking up dead parts of the body, Amen. causing life to flow through every cell Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. 
It is giving direction. It is giving illumination. It is making somebody know what to do concerning a particular situation. And it is bringing the life of God into that situation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Somebody will be surprised how God will solve a problem. You know, there are problems you just wake up and wonder, where did he go? Solution will not even be needed. It will just solve itself. <laughs> you just get to court and hear that uh, the opposing party has withdrawn the case. Why they withdrew it, the, the law will never tell you. Somebody is going to experience that. Amen. The Lord is going to solve problems for people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's share the word of God briefly. We'll pray a bit. All right, open to the book of Psalms. I want us to read uh, from Psalm 24. Okay? Now, I am going to have us read everything. Then we'll now get back to the portion that I, um, I really want to teach from. Today, we are look, uh, it's a school of prayer. We're going to be looking at... Uh, Last time we talked about how to pray efficiently and not to waste prayer time. And we focused on two things. One, um, be careful what you ask for. We focused on a number of things. Remember, be careful what you ask for. If you keep on asking for something, it has things attached with it, which you have to, uh, you know, you may not know, so you have to be careful. All right? I remember I emphasized that those who don't show mercy, they will not obtain mercy. So make sure your prayers are not prayers of you want everybody to die around you just because they don't like you. If you are like that, you withdraw yourself from the position of mercy. And believe me, you have more against you than you have in your favor. And because of this last statement, I say we should also be careful not to fight our, our adversary, the devil, in the area where he's strong, but to make sure that we always drag the battle into the area where we are strong. And that place where we are strong is where? In Christ Jesus, all right? That is, we don't approach God in prayer on the basis of anything that we have done by ourselves, but we always ensure that we approach Him based on what Christ Jesus did for us. So we're approaching covered with that blood of Jesus Christ. And how we do that is to ensure that we only recognize ourselves in Him. Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. What we know is if anyone is in Christ. If I said even if we knew Christ after the flesh, henceforth we know him thus no longer. You know, sometimes I hear preachers. If I was into one the other day, he said, Jews, Jesus is a tri- lion of the tribe of Judah, that a Jew will rule you for eternity. I said, bros, that is flesh now. Henceforth we know no man after what? The flesh. You understand? Henceforth we know no man after the flesh. We don't care who your natural father is. We don't care if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. I hope you're getting my point. So make sure you only know yourself in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we said that last time, talking about prayer. So we have to be careful that we have no boast before God. We don't boast about our offerings. We don't boast about our fasting. We don't boast about the good works that we have done. We don't boast about the holy lives we have lived. We only boast about what we have in Christ Jesus. So when we approach, we say, I have been forgiven because Jesus died for me. I have been forgiven because Jesus shed his blood. By the power of his blood, he has wiped out every handwriting, ordinances written against me. I am free in Christ Jesus. I am not a sinner. You say it with boldness. It is not pride at all to say I'm not a sinner, but I'm a saint. 
You see, Paul writes to the saints in Corinth and warns them about their bad behavior. Did you notice that? <laughs> you write to the saints in Corinth and still be warning them about the disorderly behavior. Being a saint, therefore, does not mean you don't have, I mean, you have every work in your life perfect. In fact, I'm doing a teaching, well, it's not a new teaching, just want to write it and so can publish it in our next magazine about the doctrine of righteousness again. People should understand, without being righteous first, you cannot do righteous works. Righteous works do not lead to righteousness. Righteousness leads to righteous works. Because when you have been declared righteous by God, then he becomes very patient with your faults, and he starts correcting you. So you are the one he, he will lead in the way that you should choose. First, you must establish a relationship with him. So he'll start guiding you into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you understand my point? He will now lead you in the path of righteousness. If you do not have a relationship, why will he lead you? And that relationship we call what? Righteousness. And it's established through Christ Jesus. All right? So we said that one last time. Today, I want us to go into something. So we're going to read the whole of Psalm 24 together. Um, how do we do it? Do we all just read and read and read and read? Or let's just read, everybody. Open to Psalm 24. All right, so let's read from verse 1, and we are going to read to the end of Psalm 24. I am going to read from New American Standard Bible. And my voice may be a bit louder than yours for obvious reasons. I have a microphone you don't have. So let's read it together. One, two, let's go. The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. Verse 2, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. 3, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place. 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. 5, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. 6, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob, sailor. 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. 8. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. 9. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Ten, who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts is the King of glory. Sailor. All right. Praise the Lord. He said in verse 7, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient, or O everlasting, or age-abiding doors. Three different translations I just quoted there. That the King of glory may come in. Then the question was asked, who is the king of glory? He said, the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts is the king of glory. What am I talking about today? I want to talk about the gates and the ancient doors. Now, you know, I was meditating about this. And I noticed something that he said. Now, we're applying this based on spiritual understanding. I noticed that he said, he emphasized the fact that the king of glory is strong and mighty in battle. He emphasized the fact that he's a lord of hosts. He is a king of glory. Now, what am I seeing from there? What I saw is this. I will not go to the gates of my enemies. 
and say, open the gates so that the mighty general can come in. The enemy will not answer me. He's not supposed to answer me. I should not even make that request. I hope you're getting my point. Because, I mean, we are enemies. He won't take instructions from me. Now, next thing I notice is this. He said, the Lord is strong and mighty. Mighty in battle. So why don't you knock the gates down if you are so strong? I hope you're getting my point. Why are we asking you to open the gates, open the Asian doors? Now, literally, when he says, lift up your gate, uh, lift up your heads, O gates. If you read um, a more modern translation, it will tell you things like, um, let me see what the um, New Living Translation says. Open up. You understand? Open up. That's what it keeps saying. Now, so I reason about it. If you have to tell him to open up, and he's so strong in battle, why didn't he just knock out down the, I mean, when they refused to open gate for Samson, you know what happened. Samson, when they yanked off the gate, that was strong. That was a man that was strong in the battle. And so if the Lord who gave the art anointing to Samson needs to ask us to open the gates, that tells you something straight away. He's not talking about enemy gates. Did you get that? There's no enemy gates, no enemy doors. It's his own city. It's his own people that he's speaking to. This is what he's saying in effect. You have locked yourself in. You have your walls, you have your gates for protection. Now I'm telling you, open up. Let the king of glory come in. Once he comes in, I hope you're getting my point, he becomes for you the protection that you need. If he comes in, he becomes for you your defense. When he said, open the gate, let the king of glory come in, he said, who is the king of glory? He said, is it not protection I'm looking for? The Lord, strong and mighty. Do you get the point here? The Lord, mighty in battle. Who is the king of glory? He said, the Lord of heaven's armies. That's the meaning of the word hosts. Which means that if he comes in, he brings with him the armies that he commands. So right now that you have locked him, you locked your gates for protection. Without your realizing it, you have also locked out the king of glory. So what you need to do, so here, let's put it like this. He's speaking to Jerusalem. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to us as individuals. And I noticed something while meditating about it. That any time it comes to the gates of his people, he always knocks. What is it in Revelation? He always, you know, you have to prepare for him. You have to invite him in. He will always ask for permission to come in. He does not badge in. The fact that his Lord is uh, strong in battle does not mean he will knock down the gates of your life and my life. We have to deliberately open the gates for him. Now, this is our school of prayer. And what we are talking about today is how in prayer we open the gates. Now, quickly, let me just explain something. You know, every time in life, you know, there's always, of course, generally in life, stick science, you know, political science, um, medical science, social science, they do something. In fact, the other day I asked myself, why do I have to pay? You know these funny people, because we are streaming live, I will not mention their name. 
But there's this television people that provide signals in Nigeria. People have their decoders in their homes and their names is four, is four digits. Something like A, B, C, D. Okay, it's television, so I can put the last one. The first two is something like, uh, you know, maybe C, N, T, V. But you do get my point. It's very common in the homes. I went somewhere to an office here, but it was yesterday, and I sat down. So they're doing something for me. I'm there to wait for like 10, 15 minutes. So they had, um, <laughs> they had, um, let's just call it, KNET family on. Some people came and it was, was like supposed to be a comedy session. So different comedians were coming to crack jokes. And one comedian was cracking jokes of how in their home they had to wake up early in the morning when it was small and at the praise worship session that they said, take a position in which you know you can communicate best with God. Ah, he said his own position to communicate best is like this. <laughs> you, know? you know, they were just cracking jokes like that. You know? So I sat and I was watching it and I was laughing. So even after you take your worship, he said, well, they now have this, uh, that their praise worship is stereotyped. He now started singing the songs. And they are common songs, so everybody in the audience joined him as they were going from one. He now got to, good morning. KKTV, good morning. Good morning, Lord. Good morning. You will not hear the name Jesus. So I asked myself, why do I pay these jokers at all? I don't pay them often. Usually when my children are on holiday, and then, so I just pay them for the period on holiday so they can have so a bit of entertainment here and there. I said, why do I pay them at all? This is supposed to be a family channel. This man is not preaching. He's singing songs that is a comedian. That's why I first gave it about different ones came. He was just singing the song they used to sing in their home, not to pray in the morning. And he sang this one I just gave to you now. And this... Enemies of God will always silence the name Jesus anytime you mention it. If you want to hear what they call worldliness, antichrist, that's what you are dealing with right now. So, I now decided to just go online and just, you know, I think, I don't know whether it's right there or later on, just to check what other people have said about it. Ha, of course, the Jesus is everywhere. Now, why is nobody reacting? Why are Christians keeping quiet? Why don't you gang up and boycott them? Why don't you demand? You say you don't want to offend some people. You are offending me. Am I not a person? Yes. This man wasn't preaching. I've seen them silence God. That is the name God. Somebody said that God knows. Maybe in a movie. Just hear, Queen knows. Pim, they will silence it. This one I have seen on CNN, that's their way. Calamity News Network. They were interviewing a bishop. No, no, they were casting news and something happened that time. So in the, I think the archbishop, one bishop in, somewhere in England was speaking. So CNN said, let us join the live, you know, for, for, to just listen to what he's saying. Zoom, they just went there. So that man was speaking about the problems in the world how the world has wars, how there's famine, how we need to arise and come together. And they were showing it. And I said, of course, we'll all understand that this is a sign of sin. And the Lord Jesus, once he said that, <laughs> signals scattered. Not something somebody said happened somewhere. I was watching. Suddenly they are back in Atlanta. 
we are sorry and we have the problem with signals there. Jesus' name couldn't go on there. See, let me tell you something. God has hellfire. Nobody should tell me. You know, there's sometimes that before, you know, I used to say it again and again before this coronavirus thing started, and even while it's on. I said, there's no living God you will insult for as long as you have been insulting him, and one day he will not react. And let me say something again. Don't wait for Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca to end coronavirus. You are, if you just watch enough, you will know that the chances that they will be able to do it is slim. All you need is another strain to wake up. And it will make nonsense of all the effort that has been put in. Don't think because you may, it may end in about a year and you will think it's the effort of human beings. No. If it's going to end, it will be because people prayed and they begged God for mercy. And let me restate it again. We have received mercy in this nation because the believers kept on praying. In this continent, we have received mercy. I got, um, I didn't have time to look at it before I was coming because I got information, people were saying some studies they did in Lagos and found that maybe that maybe as many as 4 million people in Lagos alone have been infected. Yet, how many, a number of people have died. I'm not saying people have not died, all right? But the whole of Africa has lost about the same number of people that they've lost in UK alone. UK has a population of less than 17 million. Africa has a population of 1.3 billion. And you think you have not received mercy. You have received mercy. We have received mercy. You see where I'm going with all this in my talk? People, the world just hates the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw this yesterday. And I've been asking myself, so why are the Christians keeping quiet? Why don't they as a group say, okay, come and collect your decoder. If the name of Jesus is too bad for your family channels, take your decoder. We don't want. We don't want. And let pastors who have been fighting Buhari all the time fight this one. You have a congregation that listens to you and there are hundreds of thousands of people, you know, th- tens of thousands at least. If, two of, if we declare, know that in this church, if you use this decoder again, the, the wrath of God will be on your television. And you know they will obey. But we won't do that. Now, so talking about worldliness, this is what I'm trying to make. The world is always trying to take us away from the Lord, the knowledge of God. They take our future and say, let's plan it. I've been saying again and again, you can't plan your future. You can invest money. An investment company will collapse. There's one funny group of people that used to, they are Okemute's, um, sorry, I'm only calling his name. It's not because really. So most of the things I accuse him of, they are not true. <laughs> I hope you know. Uh-huh. The Lord will forgive me for bearing false witness. So when I say they are his friend, what that means is that he knows them. He's always looking at them in one corner eye. People give them a lot of money. Then did they not close earlier this year? They closed. I told you the story <laughs> of my friend that said, ah, look at where to invest money. I said, bros, wait, wait, wait. My name is Jonah. If I invest, this boat will, will capsize. So just be enjoy. He said, you just see your money is going up like a graph like this. <laughs> his money is still, on, is still on that graph till today. Just on that graph. He probably has about $100,000 on the graph. Ruja Ignatova, that's the woman that started this scam. She and her friends. She ran away with all the money, amounting to billions of U.S. dollars. They are still looking for her. She melted. 
Valambo said that she's dead. They think the, the mafia around her, maybe they killed her so that the money, will, the money melted. She melted, she disappeared. My friend's money is still on the graph. <laughs> There's one that's raging, you know, Bitcoin. You know? uh, what is the name of our guy, Elon Musk? He put $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Bitcoin went from $40,000 to $50 something thousand dollars. They said he has made more money from Bitcoin than he has made from Tesla. Of course, he doesn't make any money from Tesla. And everybody is warning that as it takes up, la la anything can collapse. Do not lay up treasure where? On the earth. They are always trying to teach us how to lay up treasure on the earth. Some say, no, all of these phones don't matter. You buy land. <laughs> May you not buy land that God has said nobody will prosper by? Because there are lands you buy. You buy, finish, now cut you, they go. And someone I haven't heard, they tried to steal the land from him. He went to court, complained to police. Police charged him to court. One of our brothers, the one defending the case. That's why he told me about it. He said, that it's like they, they can't understand it. This man is on, he bought land. They resold the land he bought. He went to complain to the authorities. Matter got to the police. Next thing he knew, he was under arrest for trying to defraud somebody who bought land after him. You, know, you get land where you go buy, finish. You go look the land. Say, take. Their land people give to church so that they won't have to go to court. <laughs> if a pastor when they give you land, say, hey, bros, wait, 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 sit down here first. <laughs> There's no way you can hide money. There's no way you can save for the future. One day, one of my friends said he was thinking he has money, so he said he wanted to keep money in euro. He wasn't sure. He tried to keep it in dollars. He said, he said, he said bank, at the point that I realized I was sweating. That the tension, you know the tension him had built up. Say, why do I, where do I keep money? I laugh when he told me. I laugh because Jesus Christ had told us, don't bother. He said, if you want to keep that money, keep it where? In heaven. He said, go and give to the poor. The main way you keep money in heaven is by faith. And when you have faith, faith makes you do good works. You look at the money, and by the way, if you are listening to this and you have a lot of money, there's no money that does not have purpose. There's none. So trying to gather it in a place may be against the purpose of God. And that's why he said to that rich man, you fool. Did the man say I'll go abuse somebody? Did the man say I want to fight somebody with my money? He said I will build bigger bands. I will put my goods in there. And I will say to my soul, rest. You have, more, you have much goods laid up for the future. And Jesus said you're a fool. He didn't say, now you have money. Go and marry two extra wives. He didn't say, now you have money. Go and oppress the poor. He just said, rest. You have good, much goods laid up for the future. And God was offended. And took his soul that night. Listen, if you have a lot of money, you have a lot of responsibilities. And please, don't neglect your responsibilities. I don't want to get stuck on that money issue. So what I'm going to say is that so the world is always trying to teach us, plan this way, invest in treasury bills, in uh, mutual funds, buy land, buy gold, buy cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Just by the way, in case you do not know, cryptocurrencies have no inherent value. 
The only reason why it has value is as the person after you wants, is willing to own it. And that's why the big bankers in the world and some big men who know, they've been warning that, please, please, somebody said, please, don't invest your retirement money in it. He said, one guy said, invest your, say, don't invest your house rent, but you can invest your snack money, your smoke money, instead of buying cigar. <laughs> in case it collapses, you won't feel too bad. That's, what, that's the point he was trying to make. But the world is trying to teach us every day. That's why I talked about the fact that they like to remove the name of Jesus, remove the knowledge of God, remove the control he has over our destinies. They want to give it into our hands. And they say, build a wall of defense against poverty around yourself. So I'm just using money as an example. The other areas. Build a wall of defense against poverty around you. Now you have money. Use it to protect your future. Build a wall of defense around yourself. That's what the world teaches us. Every day, we hear it all the time. One of the problems the Lord has, I can assure you of this, that he has very few people to flex muscle over their lives. You know what I mean by flex muscle? People that really trust him. What he liked about Abraham. Many people think that God appreciated the fact that Abraham loved him so much he was willing to give him Isaac. And what they think about is that, like, look, I love you so much, I dash you my car and I walk away. I love you so much, I remove all the money I have because you are in need, I give it to you. That's not what God was, that, that was not what excited God concerning the sacrifice of Isaac. What excited God was that days, that finally I got one man who trusts me so much that he can even risk my promise on my word. I don't know where I get my point. First, he respected God so much that he doesn't fail. Then now he's risking the fulfillment of the promise of God. Risking it on the word of God. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That he said I should kill Isaac. So then that, that means that Isaac will have to be raised from the dead. Because he reasoned about it. In Isaac will your seed be. Then you say, kill the same Isaac. So if that word is going to be fulfilled, it will be because Isaac will be raised off from the dead. Now, now say, what's big about that? Because as at that time, nobody had been raised off from the dead. None. For you, it's not a big deal. You've heard of Lazarus. <laughs> You've heard of Jesus himself. And you've heard modern day stories. So it may not be so fantastic. But Abraham had never heard of it. He had to work it out by himself. And he risked everything on the faithfulness of God. And don't forget, Isaac was not a child. Jewish rabbis put his age as about 37. But that's what they say, 37. Now, with my own reasoning is that he must have been between 30 and 40, for sure. But the rabbi said 37. If you realize that he had worked with God for 25 years before Isaac was born, to make our calculation easy, let's just use 35. That's how many years? 25 plus 35. That is 60 years of work with God. And they say slaughter that 60 years of experience. I hope you're getting my point. 
He was willing to stake everything because God said that he trusted God. That's what I'm going to make. He trusted God. But people will tell you sometimes, even though the Bible says so, you have to be wise. <laughs> I was watching one man one day on TV. He said he's very actively involved in running the ministry and all of that, you know. So, so someone, one man there now put up his hand and asked the question that um, how do we balance that with the fact that Paul said we, can, we should not neglect we should not neglect the ministry of the word and prayer and start doing what? Seven tables. You know the answer the man gave? I feel like I said, oh God, please. Eh? I understand what you are saying, but you know, don't touch the scripture. Don't touch that. You know I keep on saying? Don't touch that scripture. He said, listen, the IRS, he started quoting that. This man went to jail because of this. You have to watch out because of the IRS. No, the man said, the Bible said you cannot neglect the ministry of the word and pray and start serving tables. You say, he was saying you had better serve this table so you're going to, you don't go to jail. He was explaining that ministers have been in trouble because they don't keep eyes on this and this and that. I know, that day I felt bad. You are telling these young men to neglect the ministry of the word so they don't go to jail. No. That's what we do a lot of times. Once we quote scripture, we want to modernize and say, no, forget that scripture. Forget it. Because modern day, that when that was written, there was no IRS. Who said it? <laughs> when Peter and Co. were there? Why? You never heard of tax collectors? They were there. But we take the scripture and try to take power out of it. Back to the illustration I was using. So they say, build a wall around you financially so that later on in life, you'll be able to retire. You know, I don't understand retirement. One woman in my office retired the other day. So I saw her. She had not seen her in a while. Ah, I said, madam, did they say you are retired and you believe it? I said, small girl like you. <laughs> of course, she's not literally small, but, you know, of course, she's, at least she's quite older. Well, not too much older than me, but she's older than me, definitely. But just and I said, I said, it's people like you that go around causing trouble. I told her like that. I said, when you don't have anything you are doing, this is how you'll be going from one place to that causing trouble. I said, madam, go and find something to do. You are too young to retire. Government say you have retired, and you believe them. <laughs> Some people will now go and join a you know, prayer group in church, a visitation group. Just look for, you know, look for something that means nothing to be occupying their time. No. You're too, I told you, you are too young to retire. No federal government, know why they retire people like you? So that the job can go around. No, that's the reason. If it was private sector, <laughs> private sector, people like her, they will grab you like this because of experience. You have strength. You can, you know, she still had full of vigor and a lot of experience. Private sector will say, please come. They will sack the young people and put, <laughs> put you in charge. The Lord is good. So they say, build up so you can retire one day and be causing trouble everywhere. You can, be, you can be voyaging from one island to another where you have what? Passive, passive income. You know, funding your life of you know, uselessness. You're not, you're not doing anything. <laughs> Vanity, thank you. You know what I've been describing all this while? The wall of financial what? protection. So the Lord now stood one day or sent a prophet and said, open the gates of your financial security 
and let the king of glory come in. We are using that money as an illustration. And let the king of glory come in. That is, if he comes in, he says, who is the Lord? Who is the king of glory? He said, the Lord that is strong and mighty against poverty. The Lord that is strong and mighty against, you know, lack in your, in your old age. The Lord, the Lord that is strong and mighty in battle so that he can provide for you anytime. He said, he's the king of glory. Open the gates and let him in. If, I, if, I, if that's all I've said, I think you've got to my point. You've got to my point. People invest money. They want to live long. <laughs> one man one day, was it the one or the other person? He was trying to explain to me how things work in, I work abroad. He goes for a checkup regularly. If another person said, no, once you go for a checkup, I was looking at the two old men like, no. One old man had died. Another old man was talking about checkup. And I was looking at him like, he said, oh God. You never had the spirit of death. You're not ready to die yet. So leave this checkup matter. That man went for checkup regularly, every check, blood pressure, this and the day he was going to die. He had a funny kind of stroke. You know the kind of stroke that he had? He had two strokes. One on the left, one on the right. Oh yes, ah, no, spirit of death. He knows how to kill people. The one he had on the left. For those of you who understand medicine, it's called thrombotic. You know, it blocks vessels. The ones they had on the right, the vertus rupture open. The point is that the treatment for the one on the right will make the left worse. The treatment for the one on the left will make the right worse. So doctors were confused. There was nothing they could do. Me, I'm never that one doesn't worry me anymore. I know when the spirit of death comes, he knows how to mess up everything inside the intensive care unit. You will give one medicine, blood pressure will go up. You give another one, it will go under the table. Spirit of death is the one that says, give me, I'm collecting this fellow. If you, if you want everything to be stable, go outside and go and pray. One night I was in a cage, my friend made a joke. He came, to stay, he came to visit me, but I was going to work that night. So he and I went to my office to go and work. And there was this woman that had, I don't know whether, it looked like cholera. And then there was no outbreak of cholera in Lagos that time. But that's exactly what it looked like. We were treated. Around, 11, around 12 midnight, a car just drove into the compound. And some men came down. She was in a private room. Entered the room. And we began to hear, My friend said, oh, they have gone to bring the pastor on call. <laughs> Normally you have doctors on call. And you know the funny thing? Next morning, the woman got well. Oh, oh, oh the woman got well. The woman, uh, she got well. How you go blast that kind of tongue throughout the night? Uh, if you be Satan, you know, go move. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. What am I going to say? So, people build a wall around their lives that if you can just have medical checkups regularly, and please, I don't want to stay here now and start tearing some medical checkups to pieces. Like we were discussing last time, remember downstairs? There are medical checkups, they said every man should do. Once you pass the age of 50. Is it 50 they say that time? Yes, 50. No, no, 40 is too young. Abba. The whole world will be doing checkup now at 40. I said, do, do you know, after more than 30 years, the man who started it, these were his words, that this has been the most colossal of waste of public funds after 30 years. 
He said, predicting who gets prostate cancer like that is nothing better than the toss of a coin. That it may as well tell every man, after the year of 50, come. To see that, to see, to see that, but they get a knee do like this. <laughs> now, listen, not just any man, but the scientists who began that journey. After they assessed everything after so long, it's a waste of time. Once I was listening to a professor talk about mammography. You know what mammography is? You know, radiologic examination of the breast to see whether somebody has early cancer and all of that. How people should do it after the age of 40 or 50, but better to do at the age of from 40 and everything. When I read the analysis, if every woman does it, the average, I don't mean to discourage you, even though I think you should be discouraged, the average benefit comes to like three months of life extra. What they don't tell you is the cost, both psychologic and financial. I don't want to talk about that now. But you know, you, you want to know where you, your strength is, where your faith is. Check how much effort you are putting into something. That's how you know where your faith is. I like this illustration. I like jogging. No, no I don't like jogging. I, no, I, I withdraw that. That's not it. Like, that's another false, false witness. I don't like jogging. But I could jog, and I used to do it. I like walking around, actually, because I used to wonder... Why you be running up and down when nothing is chasing you? That's my problem with the jogging thing. And it's always as if it's punishment. Say, Pastor Banky, we saw you. You took that money. Say, sorry, what do we do? Jog. <laughs> In the military, that's how they used to punish people. They, they double that fellow. They double you. <laughs> so I used to, that's why, I, but I used to tolerate it. Okay? I, I, I like exercise, really, but I tend to prefer what they call uh, iso, uh, isotonics, you know? <laughs> now, this one I'm making. So I used to get up in the morning very early, leave my house by around 5 a.m., and go out, go and run around, walk around. It used to take me about one hour, and then I'm back in my house because, I don't know, some, when I used to be walking around Quara Square in broad daylight, I said, ah, you're not like me, I can't do it. I feel like the whole world is staring at me, say, jobless man, see him. That's how I used to feel, you know. But some people can do it, walking around, I'm feeling very, very, very happy, but me, I have to do it in the dark. In fact, that's how I used to know that it's not the will of God. <laughs> Anything you can only do in the dark. Something is out of order. But me, I had to be back at home before the sun will rise. I know a no good sun. It rises very early. Uh, no? So I used to wake up very early, leave my house, tell them, please come and lock the gate. I'm out, walking, walking, running, walking, running. Do that for about one hour. And I was doing it fairly regularly a few times a week. Then one day I sat down. I said, Banky. I said, yes, Banky. You know, I was speaking to my soul. What is the best time to pray and to study the word of God? Early morning. What did you use your own to do? Run up and down. That was the day I stopped. Since that day till now, I've not gone once. I said, I, 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 will, have to, I, I will have to overcome the, that the... Go in the evening. I don't have any problem. I, I will have to overcome that self-consciousness of people looking at me. But that 5 a.m., I'm not doing it again. It wasn't, like I told you, it's not wrong. That day I just told myself, wait, what is the best time to study and pray? Early morning. So what do you spend your own doing? To and fro. You know who does to and fro? That was a, see, the day I had that discussion with my soul, 
was the last day I went. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't believe in exercising. It has little profit. It's not much. It's not much. Doesn't mean, go and read about the obesity paradox. It's not much. Doesn't mean you will live long. As those who jog, they die. Sorry, I said those who not jog, as they die. Now, so those who jog, they die. Two of them, they share the same mortuary. So, so there's nothing. The, the, the man who did not jog is in chamber two. The one who jogged is in chamber three. They will be discussing about you jog, I jog. I did not jog. Both of us are here. So don't worry yourself. I hope you're getting my point. But I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not just saying I'm not saying it's bad. Okay, I, like I told you, it's just my own person. So this is not like a scripture. This is me. I prefer another form of exercise. Okay? I prefer to carry weight. I, I still do that. All right? I prefer, you know, put my muscles under tension. I can do that in the corner of my room at any time of the day. All right? And I have different ways. I improvise ways of doing it. I have some, some small, small metal equipment. And I have some improvised, which I will not tell you. You can come and, okay, let me just tell you, Sha. Since you want to know. If you want to know, say please. <laughs> if I don't hear, please, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay, let me now tell you, please. This one works very well. Hmm? You know, this is in Africa. This is in Nigeria. They say there's no water in Texas. They don't know what to do. We, we, we are used to it. We carry our bucket, Abby. Just take a bucket, put water in it. That's 20 kg. It works. Ah, it works. By the time you finish it, your whole chest is... <laughs> it, it, it works. No, trust me, it works. Okay? So I'm not against exercise. All right? What I'm cautioning us against is faith in all these methods we think we have for preserving our health, preserving our lives. David said... Open the gates. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. And why? Let the king of glory come into your health. Let him come in. We have all kinds of diets. Which we apply, now notice this, we apply ourselves to diligently. That's the word. We apply ourselves to diligently and 99% of us more than we are diligent with the word of God. I want you to see people who, who believe diet will keep their life. They believe all kinds of lies. One day they went and told my mother not to eat bread. And they would tell, tell her all the negative things about bread. I told my mother, before I was born, you were eating bread. You are 70 something, you are eating bread, and you haven't died. I think you should eat bread. That's the reason why you are still alive. Because <laughs> I mean, think about it. You want to stop a 70 something year old woman from eating something she has eaten for 70 something years and she has not died. If she listens to you, now she gets a problem. Not you. They'll come next day, say, be drinking kagasok tea. How many of you are old enough to remember kagasok tea? Ah, you don't know kagasok tea. Uh, my wife knows Kagasok tea. Our neighbor used to call it tea of life. <laughs> they drank it and drank it out. After some time, they stopped drinking it. People still died. Of course, why won't you die? The one that's raining now is garlic with turmeric, lemon, 
ginger mixed with honey. Babalao that everybody has become because of coronavirus. People apply themselves. That's what I'm trying to make. Diligently to the, it's the diligence I'm talking about. But they don't apply themselves diligently to the word of life which God gave to us and said they are life to those who find them and medicine to their whole flesh. But there's no application with diligence in that area. And David said, lift up your heads, ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Let the king of glory come into your health preparations. That's what I'm talking about. He wasn't saying that to enemies. He was saying that to people who have shut themselves in, protecting themselves with their own strength, with their own plans, with their own imaginations. He said, open the door. You are not opening it for the enemy. You are opening it for God to come in. I said to us on Saturday, listen. I was quoting something that Pastor Corey said. There are people who say they are believing God. People think that once you don't take medicine, it means you are believing God. It's not true. If you don't take medicine, you are rejected medicine. It's not the same thing as faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The fact that you don't see a doctor does not mean you are walking by faith. It just means you didn't see a doctor. You hear somebody say, I was sick. I didn't go to hospital. Then you two lie down and say, I'm sick. I'm not going to hospital. He lives. You die. <laughs> Do you know why? You're not operating the same thing. Like I was saying, was it on Saturday? He said that you are drunk with wine. And you're, or, you are drunk what? With the spirit. The fact that he did not drink wine does not mean you are drunk with the spirit. Do you follow my point? It's just that instead of drinking wine, you drink the spirit until you are drunk with the spirit. Many people don't drink wine, but they also don't drink the spirit. They are lukewarm. They are neither here nor there. What am I trying to say? Many people are just simply careless with their lives. You don't, you know, I, I know people like that. They are just careless with their lives. They say, me, I not get time for a checkup. They don't have time for anything. I'm not uh, this jogging, jogging. Me, I not fit to. They are lazy. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's laziness. It's laziness. It's something must kill a man. Yes, something is going to kill them. Because this guy chops anyhow. He doesn't have discipline. If you bring food, no matter the size, he will finish. He let no good thing pass me by. He said, instead of make this food waste, Belen wants to bust. He has all kinds of, you know, cliches and parables. Thank you. So he used to indulge himself. When now he hears some preachings, he says, yes, amen. He doesn't realize that he's not doing what you are saying. The fact that you have not gone to see a human doctor does not mean you, have, you are walking by faith. Except, we we'll discussed that on Saturday, except you take time out to see Jesus, the physician. And you'll be able to tell us how you did it. Like I was quoting Pastor Corey, he said, he forgot to ask somebody, how are you doing this thing? I said, we are believing God. Say, hey, wait, wait, wait. Thank you for that. But how? On Saturday, we explained it. You will tell us, okay, I meditate on scriptures for one hour every morning. We sing songs of praise in, in concerning divine healing for 30 minutes. In the evening, we pray. 
We talk to the Lord. We confess the word. We focus our gaze on that serpent on the, on the pole. We look at the Jesus that's on the cross. And we do that for 30 minutes in the evening before we sleep. And then I know you are believing God. Then I know you are believing God. You are not just being, you know, negligent. Spend as much energy as the person who travels to go and see a doctor. You, also, you may not be traveling, but spend that energy in your own house. Somebody takes medicine three times a day. You take your own word also three times a day. Please, I hope you are following what I'm going to say here. What's this portion of the scripture telling us? And that's what we are going to use to pray this evening. He's saying that what is it that you have built around yourself as a form of security? You know, <laughs> let me tell you something about faith. Faith without works is what? It's dead, yes. What does that mean? It means that whatever it is you truly believe will produce actions in your life. Now, this is where people make a mistake in interpreting what James said. They do something that maybe, let me give an example now. If I tell you that, um, uh, okay, there was a time I was sick, what I did was that I just left my house and went to work. I hope you're getting my point. You take that as what? Works. So next time you fall sick, you two, you get up and just go to work. And then they pick your unconscious body at the gate of, <laughs> of your office and carry you to hospital and you wake up you know, on a bed in hospital. And you're wondering why didn't it work? The man who did his own, something propelled him into that. But you are just copying somebody's actions. It is not, was not propelled by faith. Do you get my point? Anytime you have faith, it will propel you to certain actions which oftentimes are unique. But there must be action. And those actions, listen to this, will include tearing down a portion of the wall that you have built around yourself in such a manner that an enemy can come in. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That the way not that the king of glory is coming in. If you left that gate open, you know an enemy could come in. No, after all, you know, if you've heard of um, when God said uh, uh, concerning Cyrus, that would leave the double leaves gates open before him. The day he went to invade them, Babylon, they forgot, either they forgot or they don't know. They left the gates open. They might not have to climb any wall. Maybe there was a party. They said there was some, you know, you know, you know the Chinese fence, the Chinese um, wall, that great wall. You know, enemies never had to break it. Either they bribe a soldier, or one foolish soldier will look down. His helmet will fall down. Then he will go down to go and get it. <laughs> and open the door, <laughs> the gate. As he comes to grab his helmet, did you know the enemies are hiding there? They will grab him and they will enter. What I'm going to say is that when he say open gates, it's risky. That's why when it was announced, open up your gates, open up your everlasting doors, and let the king of glory come. They say, who is the king of glory? Why are we taking such a risk? There are times God will say to you, you know, Jesus did that. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then you will have what? Treasure in heaven. He said, one day a man came to Archbishop Idaosa. Very funny. He said, I've been saving for two years. He wanted to buy a car. Archbishop, you've been saving for two years. 
Say, where's the money? Say, the man said, the money's at home. Say, go and bring it. The man went to brought the money he had packed. Sacrifice, they put in the offering basket. You can go. There was no prayer. Just said, just drop the money there. Bye-bye. The man bought the car, I think, the next two months. Oh, yes. You know what God did? He opened doors for him. I think he was a businessman. He made so much money. What he had been saving money for for two years, he opened the door for him to get it in less than two months. And all that Bishop Daosa said is, where is the money? No, he just said, like, what? You've been saving for how long? Two years? He said, go and bring the money. Because I had the money from the man. You can't go. He said, drop the money. <laughs> now, now, some people say, the man sowed the seed. That is, oh, God. That is our works. Flesh, the flesh wants to take glory. That's the one we preach this day, which is a lie. It wasn't a seed he sowed. The minister delivered him. He broke the fence he was building around himself. He said, it's not working. Let the king of glory come into your life. And when the king of glory came into his life, he supplied all his needs. Now, we're talking about copying actions. That's why people make the mistake. Many times, they, they copy actions wrongly. They copy actions wrongly. Some people now say, eh, there is power in the offering basket. Amen. There is power. In fact, the one that, not, that annoys me, not surprises me, annoys me is the preachers that will now do it. Maybe the man will now come and give a testimony. Brethren, see what happened though. Now say, this offering basket, there is power in it. Whatever you need this Sunday morning, you will say to God. You see, we're bringing out their checkbook, bringing out purse, bringing out everything. Go to the offering basket. It's idolatry. God may not pass that way. In fact, that was never a way. As far as God is concerned, he could have thrown that money into the dustbin. It wasn't that he brought it to the offering basket. I mean, I had that experience when my wife and I were going to get married. I didn't have too much money. The little money I was earning, I had, in fact, I had gone to cooperative, collected a loan. I had pieced everything together. I've told the story a number of times. And that time, every dime I had went towards one project to marry this girl sitting at the back. Everything. I thought of nothing else. That was the first time I realized what worry meant. And I wasn't worried like, hey, God, we like that tomorrow. What will happen next week? I don't know what I'm doing. No, that was not it. I'll just lie down and be plotting. <laughs> That's what I used to do. Just sit down. Salary will come by next week. That suit guy, oh. Suppose, ah, should I give him money or I should go to market myself to buy the material? Okay. Hey. Do you think these people will bring money? I will sit down like that. I used to fall asleep in less than 15 minutes. I would do this for hours. I would not sleep. I was planning. It was the day the Lord opened my eyes. This is what they call worry. That was the day I stopped it. So every money I had, I was trying to piece it together, everything. Then one day, I was sharing the word with this, my wife. Now, we're not married that time. So I went, and it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wanted to speak to me. He said, since Mr. Preacher, you will talk, you will hear yourself. I went to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
And I was teaching from verse, um, around verse, is this, I've not read from it in a while, around verse 17. And it was saying, instruct those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or, or put their hope in the uncertainty of riches. Paul was writing to them. He said, instruct them to do, he said, but, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. He said, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Ah, when I heard that, instantly it connected. I realized I was talking to myself. He said, listen, don't put your hope in money. Put it on God. For me, it was even easy. I didn't have. He said, what is a sign that your hope is on God? All right? He said, it is in doing good, in being rich in good works, in being generous and ready to share. And it dawned on me that all these weeks, for many weeks, those were the very things I had not been doing because I felt I had a need. That day, somebody say, open up. Say it now, open up. You gates. Open up. Ancient doors. That day I opened up the gates. The little money that I did not have, remember? I went to church on Sunday. I can't remember whether I put an offering in the basket. I went to pastor. I said, pastor, good afternoon. A good morning. I was really blessed this morning. I just gave him an envelope. I thanked him. He didn't know I was opening up. A friend of mine was wedding one week before me. So I told him, I said, that, ah, I see how he's been spending money and everything. That um, I just felt I should contribute something towards his wedding. I gave him money. I'm sure he was thinking like, ah, where did Banky hit Jackpot? Because two of us are in the same boat. I gave him money. You know what I did? Every money I had that time, I made sure I shared it out. You know what happened? The king of glory came in. He began to direct my steps. Do this like this. Do this like this. Until everything was done. Don't, don't, don't think I just got up one day, the money started raining. No. But one thing I can assure you of is that the king of glory did what? Came in. The thing that prevents God from coming into our situations many times is the wall we built around ourselves. The walls of security. When these gates will open, each individual, you will know the wall you've built and you will know the gate you are supposed to break down. There are times you will tell your children, hey, come back, come back. Where are you, America? Come back home, come back home. Come and finish this school. Come, come, come and go to this school here. Because sometimes, listen, there's something one brother will tell me. Say, this money that God has given us, let's not use it to buy problems for ourselves. There are many people who are, listen, let's say it straight, there's no point deceiving ourselves. Many people are using it to buy problems for themselves. We take a 16-year-old girl, a 16-year-old boy, and send them abroad by themselves to school in Europe because you have money. Now, I know this is my personal opinion, but like Paul, we say, I have the Spirit of God. And I've heard from many people, there is no, nothing you are looking for in first degree that you can't get in Nigeria today. First degree. If it's not available, then you don't need it. This boy is 16 for goodness sake. What's wrong with you? Anyway, some parents want to get rid of their children, sure. Because because of these children, because there are times my wife and I will be out. Look, 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 the children are alone at home. You are rushing back home. So like I was saying, you have to take action sometimes, all right? There are times you just say to open up the gates. Say, boys, 
Come back home. Get me your transcript. You are finishing your, your, your school in Covenant University. I'm sending you to University of Lagos. Come to UNN. You are finishing here. Say so what I said before. I had built this wall around their destiny. What am I doing? I'm opening up the gates and I'm letting the king of glory in. There are times the investment you have made. Just how much is it worth now? Say right now. It's worth 25 million naira. Say fine. Very good. And it's growing. Say sell it. Turn everything to cash. Every single thing. You'll be telling your brokers. Please, my shares in Zenith, I want it as cash. My shares in this, and the money has hit the account. Say what do you do? What else do you do? Share it out. You could give offering like like crazy person. Anybody that tells you, say, say what, what? Is, there, is there any problem? Say, I'm just thinking, okay, no, here is 500,000. Please, quickly, so they won't know that you are freeing yourself. I hope you're getting my point. Say, that brother is so generous. You are not generous. Going, after two weeks, the money will finish. They should forget you. Nobody should come back. By that time, you'll be as broke as them. What are you doing? You are opening the gates and letting the king of glory come in. Why? That was the wall of protection you built for your future. One problem we have is that we are double-minded. You know what's double-mindedness? People like to play safe. They are praying. They are building the gates. I know one thing I noticed. Um, if God puts it like now, as a, re- as a result of this discussion this evening now, God is putting his finger on certain places in people's lives. Until you open that gate, it's not coming near that area. The other area, people will be dancing. You'll be having a nice time with the Lord. He said, but that area, I've told you the gates to open. And let me tell you something that began with it. This is how it is with God. Believing God is like risking your life. It is not this kind of, it is not necessarily, let me put it like that, this kind of certainty, I know. No, listen, just do it like this. If I perish... I perish. Like I say all the time, at least it will be you lived for something. Your faith was not a joke to you. The major problem with Christianity, and I think God raised some of these Islamic extremists to teach Christians a lesson. Christians are generally very lukewarm. What is lukewarmness? They don't take it, do anything dangerous because of their faith. They always like to play safe. Always. They will not like to go to where the mission work is difficult. <laughs> The one that makes me life apostle. If they say support mission work, they will give the missionary 5,000 naira, expecting him to be grateful. After all, the man has not seen 5,000 naira offering the last three weeks. So I brought you 5,000 naira offering. He should be grateful. Then the man will go in the evening with his wife and children, buy pizza, buy ice cream, you know, a new good mall there. By the time you buy, shall pay for everything. At the end of the day, say, um, 18,005, sir. All right. Um, so we'll use my card. Okay, okay. Give a card. Ping, 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 ping. You press the pin. 18,005, debit alert. Bam. On his phone. All right, kiddos, let's go home. And they gave a missionary 5,000. Let me ask you, if you were God, wouldn't you punish you? No, think about it for a moment. That's why Ken Higgins said that they had a saying in America. Say, God, keep our pastor humble. We will keep him poor. <laughs> they want the missionary to remain poor 
so that the 5,000 naira offering will make a lot of money. I always tell people, listen to me. If you can carry your wife and children out to go and eat shawarma and pizza in the evening, and you blow 18,005, you fill your tank one time. You know, for 170. You fill the tank just to go and visit your friend. You come back, 8,005. 8,005 the fuel tank. No, that would maybe, maybe uh, Ujuska, you know? <laughs> All those small, small cars, that they are tanks that are 32 liters. <laughs> if you follow my wife downstairs, forget it. 8,005 is not filling that tank at all. The Lord is good. And you do stuff like that. You now hear the missionaries in one corner of Nigeria. You now send them 5,000 naira. Your offering is rejected. You're a wicked soul. What did I call you? Okay, it's not you. What did I call that person? Wicked soul. Wicked soul. Wicked soul. You should tell your wife and children, no shawarma, no ice cream, no pizza for six months. I'm calculating it. I'm using it. What are you doing with it? We are sending it to those who are in the mission field. You know the truth? Christians are generally not radical. There are times you look at your children and say, hey, Daddy, we want to go. Um, I want to go. Of course, usually, sorry, women, I love you. God bless you. My wife is a woman. Amen. But you, a lot of women that, that then go study Wahala in the house. Tell the man, my child must go to school abroad. Call the boy. Call the girl. I have bought jam phone for you. If I am not even, for this discussion your mother brought up today, you're not living in Enugu. You rather go to Esut, Unek, IMT, Godfrey Okoye. Choose one. You're not going anywhere again. When they have begged and interceded, you cannot extend it to Uniben. If they beg and intercede some more, okay, Covenant University and Lagos, Unilag. So you're not going anywhere. It's not like I don't have the money. There's a man I know. Listen. One day we're talking. He said, if they offer me four, listen to me, we're talking when this car just talking. He said, man of God, if they offer me four billion naira for that property, I'm not, going to give, I'm not going to take it. That's the kind of talk we're talking. Do you understand? <laughs> if they offer me four billion, I will not accept it. He said, that's too small. Don't you think so? No. <laughs> <laughs> Apostle, you know, he gets some kind to say, you <laughs> David said, I have refused to involve myself in matters too difficult for me. He said, one day we were just talking, he said, ah, that people say I don't tell them some investment opportunities. He said, man of God, the reason why I can't is this. Because there was something he had that time. He said, they brought me in this to invest in it. He said, now his money in the day is about 50-something million naira. He said, then they now say, you don't tell us these things. He said, listen, I know investment is risky. He said, like this 50 million naira now, if they call me tomorrow and say the company has collapsed and my money is gone, he said, I will laugh. He said, but if I tell you, can you laugh like that? <laughs> he said, you will take it serious. He said, so, so, I can't get you involved in things you can't handle if they fail. And the example he gave me that day was an investment he had that was worth 50, I think, 53 to 58 million, I'm not very sure. He said, if it collapses today, all I will do is laugh. How am I telling the story? All his children went to school in Nigeria. First degree. Every single one of them. I know all of them. He's not letting you out of his sight until you have a BSc, whatever it is you want to get. One day we're talking with his son. Nduka, remember now. 
Someone was telling me, I do this, I do that. <laughs> he said, why do you do that? He said, you see, I'm not as rich as my father. He knows his father is rich. When they were talking, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, probably do this. And that one, school fees was going to be made like 20,000 euros. That's not going to be a problem. That will count the cash and hand over to him. But nobody is leaving Nigeria first degree. The father made it clear to everybody. And everybody lined up neatly. So after that, if you like, come on, you can go to Australia and go and get any degree you want. I'll give you the money. I'm going to explain something here. We have to break down walls we are built around ourselves. How do you know where your faith is? Where are you putting your effort? Some people, you know, consistently, when they said, keep 15% apart, invest this one, they do it every month. They've not been able to support a missionary for 12 months without breaking. Your faith is not in God. It's in human systems. It's a matter of fact. Ah, let's tell ourselves the truth. There's a reason why Jesus says, sell all you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure where? In heaven. Then come back and come and follow me. He told the disciples, sell what you have and give. You will have treasure in heaven. Please, I want you to understand something. We look at that seed. No, I'm sowing it. No! He was trying to say, take your focus away from what material things you have as a way of having security around you. Open those gates. Open those gates. You'll be looking for money and saving money because you want to go for a checkup. You say, what are you doing? You're not that rich. Open those gates. Let the Lord walk in. Let the King of Glory come into your life. Let him come into your family. Say, if a man keep, if a man loves me, what will he do? He will keep my word. The Father will love him, and then I and the Father will come and make our abode with him. Listen to me, saints of God. That is the key to victory in life. Is having the King of Glory coming. Let me quickly add this to it, and then we'll begin to pray, and then we can close. When it's talked about ancient doors, I thought about it, because I meditated about it for some time. And what just came to my mind is that that one stands for, I'm not saying 100% certain you can have a better interpretation later, you can share with me, I'll appreciate it, but what I have in mind is that ancient doors, because it's talked about, if you have King James, you have everlasting doors. Um, some other translation we use words like age. Is it age, um, like age, age old, things like that. The point I want to make here is this. After I reasoned about it, one thing that just came to my mind, that that, reflect, that represents the strongholds in our hearts. Belief systems we have held on to Forever. The gates represent, you know, things we have done. Like we're using the, that money was just the best example. Literally investments we have made. But there are ideas and thoughts that we have held on to in our hearts also. They also need to be dropped so the king of glory can come in. I'll give an example. Let's keep on talking about money. Last year, was it last year, we talked about, um, is it the, what, what, did we, what was the name of the series we did last, last year? It had to do with wealth. Creation of wealth or something. Power to, power to make wealth. You know, there I explained something. 
that the reason why Christians do things, as a matter of fact, the reasons are different from why the world does things. If I get up, I want to invest. If I, you know, when I say what they teach children sometimes, I'm alarmed. You see, a company is something that does this purely for profit. I say, ah, no wonder this world is going upside down. This is standard, take an economics textbook, standard economics teaching. I say, I say no, add a line need now to provide service and to make profit. But their textbook says purely for profit. Some that is set up purely for profit. The day they defy commercial bank, <laughs> I said, no wonder the world is upside down. That receives what? Purely for profit. I said, why don't you add to provide service and to make profit? At least, I, I, know, I, I know this is not heaven. Are you getting my point? At least let's do to provide service. The record is still, still remains in the world today. United States records. In five years, nine out of ten businesses started collapse. They go bankrupt. They get liquidated. In five years, nine out of ten. Of the surviving ones, nine out of ten will collapse in the next five years. Essentially, in ten years, only one out of the hundred businesses started survive. Why? I'll tell you the reason why. Of course, the reason they will give you is different from the reason I want to give. The reason I want to give is spiritual reason is that the reason why these businesses start usually is to make money. And that has a curse attached to it. I hope you're getting my point. Many people, they may not even have the sense of righteousness, but just the adventurism in their hearts to just do something different, God will bless it. Henry Ford, I quote all the time in that area, he said the success of the, let me, not, let me not try and remember the code now, but he said the success of his company is not really about the machines that bear the name Ford. You see the cars everywhere now. He said, no, for him, is that I've been able to demonstrate. He said it's about proving certain principles. That I started a company to prove to people that the way you are living your lives is not right. The way you are doing business is not right. Except they wouldn't listen to me. So I started the company. So when the company became successful, we said, I have proven to you that you can do business in a different way. He didn't have to. He offered warranties. He will tell you that, listen, if you buy a Ford motor car, even though it's your own, your name is not on it. And think about it. Every car has the label of somebody. Mercedes Benz. Is that your name? I know you pay 12 million naira for the car, but is that your name? The best you can do is to go and put a um, plate number, because my plate number say, Child of God 1. <laughs> that is the best you can do. But that car will never be named after you. They will continue to call it names like Volkswagen, Bentley, Toyota. And these are many of them family names. Honda. They will never put your name. They will not say, ah, that's an Okemote Accord. No, it's a Honda Accord. So Henry Ford said, your name is not on it. So you have nothing to lose if it breaks down. That's his own attitude. So if the car breaks down, he said, my name is on it. Nobody knows who owns the car, but they said, that's a Ford. It broke down there. He said, so my integrity is at stake. 
the quality of my machine is tied to my integrity. So he made the car as good as possible to protect his name. He put, get his book, you know, My Life and Work. It's available these days. You can download it because it's an old book. It's in the public domain, all right, online. He put service centers everywhere that if the car breaks down, where you can quickly rush and go and fix it. His reason, my name is, not, is on it, not yours. He had a philosophy that have been sent to help people. So the more people can afford the cars, the more the number of people I am reaching in life. Let, let me give an example. Kingdom World now. In those early days, of course, you watch how other people are doing things. Thank God for the Roman road of the internet. Do you understand? Now, the Roman road of the internet, we can now push things out you know, easily. I used to do a count. I've not done it in a while. And I realized that people were downloading about 3,000 copies of our books every month. Okay? 3,000 copies of books. All right? I, did, I counted, you know. You can get the count. About 3,000 copies every, every month. People would download, you know. So, I thought about it. Some, somebody will say, if you just charge 100 naira for each book, how much is that? 300,000 naira now. But of course you know, even if it's 10 cobo you are charging, that download will, down, will stop. <laughs> it will drop from 3,000 to maybe 300. Even if the fellow is a millionaire, he can afford it. The fact that he has to press a button, press another one, go somewhere, enter a key, put his uh, pin, and then finally the thing downloads, reduces his chances of doing it. So, as soon as we went online and we were able to do stuff online, I said to people, we draw as many hindrances as possible. We kept on trying to put a thing in people's faces. Why? Our primary agenda is not to come and sell something. Selling is not our agenda. It is to reach what? As many people as possible. Like I was discussing with the, you know, the workers the other day. I said, listen, let's do this magazine Fellas, how many copies? I say we should even print. I say yes. Let's do twenty thousand copies. Next, just find a way to throw it everywhere. I know don't go into a dustbin. We'll provide that one without somebody reading it. And therefore, I said, listen. The more people I can reach, the more that is like the more I'm fulfilling my assignment in life. So he kept on working to reduce the cost of his cars every time, without any need, not competing with anybody. But he would drop the price. Once he finds he can cut the price down, he kept on dropping it. He said, the cheaper we are, the more the number of people that can buy the cars. Now, worldly people will say, hey, he knows that way he will make more money. That was not the aim. The aim is that I have to touch the life of everybody. And it's been credited with rearranging the American demography. That is, he removed people from living in small towns and villages and brought them to cities because it was not easy for them to, from there to commit to places where they could go to. Now, I'm just using that one to illustrate for us again how we can change our mindset. I tell Nigerian Christians, the country needs you. So if you have money, invest it in the land. You have 200 million naira, call some doctors who have your kind of reason. Say, guys, what can we build so that people don't have to go abroad? So I will get friends like, uh, like me who will put more money down. When you are doing that, listen to me, let me quickly tell you, 
As soon as you drop that money, okay, say you did not borrow it, Abi. It is money you had. Forget it. It's not as if uh, how much is it producing for me? That is less produ- that is for you. It is not how much did it produce for me that's the issue. It is what will it produce that will affect the environment. You see what I call everlasting doors, age-old doors, ancient doors, systems in our minds that have been there for a long time, preventing the King of Glory from coming in. Many people, you know, the King of Glory can't come into their marriages. Do you know why? They are still thinking about a wife like their grandfather. You know, there are some men who still think the woman should be grateful that they married them. Do you know that? It's, it's, it's their body language. It's body language. It's like, of all the women in the village, I chose you should be happy. And you're looking at this point like, did you, do you know that you're talking to a child of God? Precious as much as you are. In fact, with this your foolishness, you are inferior. <laughs> No, no, it sounds funny. But you know, you hear even Christians talk, you'll be looking like, what's in your brain? What's in your brain? They still have, you know, this everlasting doors, you know? It's still there. And that is the reason the king, why the king of glory doesn't come to that house. King of glory is passing. How you not there? You are fine there. Okay. Okay, don't worry, be praying. I'm listening from here. King of glory will not enter. A certain degrees of peace and joy they will never understand in all their lives. They don't even know it exists. Why? Everlasting does. Ancient does. The way the grandfather taught three generations ago. They are still thinking like that till today. You want your children to be blessed? Let me just quickly drop this one for you. People of God. You have to recognize that they are servants of God. They are not born to carry your name. There's no that, ah, I'm going to have five children. One will be a lawyer, the other will be a doctor, one will be a pilot. Then one will be so that my name, you know, of course, just drop all those professions on me now. And then you are a Christian now. No, no, if, unless you are a pastor, most people don't want their children to be pastors. Forget these things I'm saying. They, 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 look, 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 it's only pastors that want their children, but most people, apostles, most of these people are saying like this. He says, okay, Muti and Pastor Bank, let their children be pastors. Leave that. <laughs> then name those five. Let me tell you what your children will be so you know now. <laughs> your first son is going to be a man of God. Your first daughter will be a woman of God. Your second son will be a man of God. Amen. Your daughter, all your daughters will be women of God. Amen. I didn't say they will be preachers. Though. But they will be servants of God and they will never do what you plant. Are your plan in their lives, it has failed. In Jesus' mighty name. The plan of God, which he created before the foundation of the earth, it is succeeding their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. They will be what God created them to be. What he created them to be, that is what they will be. He will raise some of them, they will be preachers. Some of them, they will be politicians. Some of them will be military men. Whatever it is, Prophets will arise from your home. Amen. Prophets will arise. One of your children will be filled with the spirit from the mother's womb. The time he's two, the house will know this boy or this girl or Aladdin. He will just have a way of showing up when somebody's committing. <laughs> they won't even know where it comes from. When somebody wants to do something, maybe the elder brother is climbing where daddy say nobody should go. 
just say, hey, <laughs> start crying. Then the mother will rush to come and carry and say, hey, Junior, what are you doing there? It is that small one filled with the spirit. What am I say? Ancient doors. Open them up so that the king of glory can come into your home. Need to pray. Let us bow down our heads. I want us to pray. What are we doing with prayer this evening? I want each because as I was speaking, the Lord was speaking to you. You know that. He was speaking to you. And I want to right now, with prayer, begin to open those gates. How do you open the gates? Repentance. Confession. Say, Lord, I've made you too small in my eyes. I've built a wall around myself. I repent. I repent. As I live here, I'm going to open some gates so that the king of glory can come in. I repent of worldliness. That's what you're going to be doing. Begin to pray this evening. Begin to pray. That business you started because you think that you take care of in your old age. Say to the Lord, if you want, I will shut it down. Because now I've understood, like we're talking about powerful wealth then, the reason why Christians do business is a different thing. You can, you can pray to God. <laughs> As for taking care of him, oh, you don't worry about it. The Lord has planned that one already. Just believe him totally. God can bless two of your children so much that this, if they give you a gift once, it will take you three years to finish spending it if you have to spend it on yourself alone. Once. And they're going to do it several times in a year. It's a blessing of God. It's a blessing of God. God can prosper one, one investment you may didn't even remember. One building you built to live in. Suddenly, the area changes. Banks are renting it. Big companies are renting it. They are paying you more money than you can spend. They'll pay you once. Three years, you have not finished spending it. It has its way of taking care of you. Every, listen, every wall you build around yourself. Right now, even if they look good, begin to break them down in prayer. Say, Lord, I build this around myself as a form of security. I build this around myself as a form of security. Lord, I lay it down. I lay it down. Say, my children, Lord, right now, in prayer, give them to the Lord. Even if they are unborn. Remember, Hannah gave Samuel before he was born. Give them to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. Every single one. Every single one. Every single one. Even if they are not born. Say, you, in your mind, be seeing them. You will serve the Lord. You won't serve me. You won't serve me. You will come, I will train you. Then you go and serve the Lord. You will come, I will train you. Go and serve the Lord. With the resources God has given me, I will educate you. I will teach you righteousness and justice. Then go. Go. Go and meet your master. Go and meet your master. You will serve the Lord. Say, in the name of Jesus, you will serve the Lord. You don't got, If you like, change your name. Change your name. One pastor in this town, he changed his name to White Fire. That was his name. You can change your name to Micah. Your name is Prophet Micah. You don't even put my name. It doesn't concern me. As long as you are serving the Lord, you will serve the Lord. Give them to the Lord. You have to circumcise them. You have to circumcise them. That was why God almost killed Moses until Zipporah circumcised that son of theirs. Give them to the Lord. As you are praying this thing, that's what you are doing. You are giving them to the Lord. Mention their names if they are born. If they are unborn, give them, just like Hannah gave Samuel. Give, he said, Lord, you will, look, Lord, you give me that child, he will serve you. She will serve you. Give them to the Lord. It's not for your namesake. It's for his namesake. Give them to the Lord. Open the gates. Gates, every gate. Every gate. 
into the fence we have built around ourselves. We open it right now so the king of glory can come in. Says, King of glory, come into my health. Come into my health. Come into my finances. Come into my family. Come into my ministry. There are people who start, you may be a pastor, you are listening to me. You started a church, you know you were not called to start a church. You are an evangelist, actually an apostle. They are supposed to move from one place to the other. Why do you start a church? So that you can be collecting an offering. In the name of Jesus, get out of there. Get out of there. Open that gate and let the king of glory come in. How do you open it? Walk away. If you ch- hand the church over to a man who is called by God. And listen, not he'll be remitting money to you. Walk away entirely. Don't bring problems into your life in the future. Don't. You cannot gather people because of the money you collect from them. It's called wickedness. It's evil. It's evil. Trust the Lord to take care of you. The Lord Jesus said, when I sent you out without post on script, did you lack anything? They said, we didn't lack anything. And I'm saying to you, if you open that gate this evening, you will lack nothing. But if you stay there, the Lord is not with you, you know that. What you have is one crisis after another, scandal after another. At the end of the day, you will not be blessed. Why? Because you built a wall around yourself and the king of glory was not in your city. Say, king of glory, come into my home. King of glory, come into my academics. King of glory, come into my career. King of glory, come into my family. King of glory, mighty in battle. Because once, once it's in your life, he is, that's why David was saying, he will fight those battles. He will fight those battles. He will fight the battle of sickness. And he's mighty in battle. Stronger and mighty. That's what he was described as. In that Psalm 24, say, King of glory, come in, come in, come into my home, come in your strength, come in your might, come with your hosts, and abide here. I yield myself to you. I yield myself to you. That's the prayer for today. Now, lay down every, you know, every village idea. There are people, the, the problem you have had, there's a woman, they are listening to me now. Your family problem is because you just have this belief. My money is my own. My husband is supposed to provide for the family. I don't have time to teach about it. It is a lie. If your body belongs to your husband, this is your money that does not belong to him. Don't divide that family. Don't divide that family. Don't divide that family. It's, it's called, you know, ancient doors. Strongholds. Does not align the king of glory coming. Don't even separate daughters. Sir, this one is my own. You want to separate children in the family that the daughters are on my side. Now lie. Never be in the disagreement with your husband over anything. I don't want to teach on marriage now, but just everybody caution yourselves. If you are listening to me and you want to hear more about what I'm saying, go online, read the book. Fundamentals of Christian Marriage from our website, pastor.ng. It's very, very simple. Read there. Read there. Read those things in there. Read the book to help you lay down, you know, open up ancient doors so the king of glory can come in. And they will fight your battles. All the in-law troubles you've been having. <laughs> the Lord, strong and mighty. Mighty in battle, he is the king of glory. 
all the fights you've been having, you thought, you thought too, I'm not saying it is true, with the women who are your husband, the Lord, strong and mighty, mighty in battle, he will fight his battles. That's what our prayer is about. Our prayer is not for enemies. No, we are our own enemies. <laughs> we are our own enemies. We are the ones that build the doors. And Jesus has to stand outside and be knocking. And be knocking. Today we say to him, come in. Today we say to him, come in. Let's begin to thank the Lord for the word that we have heard. And um, prayers answered. They say, Father, we thank you for again bringing your words to us, instructing us, correcting us, putting your fingers in those areas, those walls that you want us to collapse so that the King of glory indeed can come in. Father, we are grateful. We are truly grateful. Out of your love, you have brought this message again to us, this word to us. Lord, we receive grace to run with these words. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus.